Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So tomorrow's budget day. And it's going to be, I think, a really important day for, for this government. But in terms of where we go from here. Now, we got an election happening next year. And Alberta may well have a different government following that election. But there's been a lot of pressure on the NDP to, to come clean about what exactly their plan is for getting us back to a balanced budget so we can stop adding to our accumulating debt. We had some hints from the finance minister this week about when that might happen and what we'll see in the way of specifics in tomorrow's budget. So that's going to be something to watch for, what the government's plan is and how they intend to get us there. Is it just more of hoping for the best Are they going to take some concrete decisions? Now, one of the questions that was asked this week by the opposition was whether the NDP intends to use future increases in the carbon tax to help get us there. Up until this point, the NDP has has been very clear that, look, we're going to put the carbon tax revenue in a separate pot from general revenues, and that's going to go pay for various environmental initiatives. But what about future increases in additional revenue on that carbon tax? And we didn't really get a straight answer this week. So I think that's going to be something to watch. Obviously, we're under a lot of financial pressure in Alberta. We've seen a huge drop-off, clearly, in um, the availability of energy revenues, resource royalties. And so that's going to mean some some tough decisions. The NDP has maintained that they have taken the, an approach of belt tightening, maybe in some areas, but but less so in others. So what about spending? What about revenue? And I think what people expect is that politicians are going to come forward with their own ideas. If you don't like the direction of government, what would you do differently? It's not an unreasonable question to ask. So to that end, I I think this approach is to be commended. Derek Fildebrandt, who uh, for now remains an independent MLA representing Strathmore Brooks, uh, has tabled just uh, a day ahead of the budget an alternative budget, a different vision for getting us to, to balance. Joining us on the line is the aforementioned... Derek Fildebrand. You can read this for yourself, by the way, DerekFildebrand.ca. Derek, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Thanks for having me. All right. So first of all, why did you feel it was important to do this? Well, you know, I uh, before I was elected, when I was with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, I regularly put together alternative budgets every single year for the, both the federal and provincial governments, trying to show how, in a very tangible way, we can get back to a balanced budget, um, you know, generally when, when you talk about the need to get spending under control and to get back to a balance, the uh, either critics of conservatives in power or if conservatives are in power as they were federally, uh, elements within them will scream that, you know, any any effort to get the cost of government under control is going to result in the uh, proverbial slash and burn. And so I wanted to demonstrate how it can be done. Now, uh, you know, I was uh, when I was elected, the decision was made by uh, those higher up the, the food chain that we would not be doing alternative budgets. Uh, I made my case every year and was at the end of the day, the leader uh, generally gets their way. But uh, as you know, right now, I'm uh, the leader of caucus of one. And I felt very strongly that we should be putting forward a realistic and detailed plan showing how we can get spending under control without uh, significantly affecting frontline services to balance the budget and stop borrowing. Can you shed any more light on what the thinking was? What, why strategically then the decision was made to, to not release a, a shadow budget? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I was on the side. I would argue every single year this would be a an annual. It was a ritualistic disagreement between Brian Jean and I about if we should do this or not. And you know, the leader gets their way. But you know, to be fair, I mean, there there are reasons for not doing it as well. You put this out there. Uh, generally, the press don't pay any attention to it, or very very little. You get a tiny little spot in the bottom of page ten. Um, and if, but if you uh, if you don't do it, then the press seems to pay more attention. But they they don't really actually give you much attention. Uh, this interview aside, you generally don't get much credit for actually doing it, and you give you give uh, ammunition to your opponents uh, to shoot at you with, and you don't actually get to do anything in in the end because it's uh, these are alternative budgets; they're not the actual budget that gets to, to enact anything. So there are there are legitimate, mostly strategic reasons for not doing it, um, except when it comes to before elections. Every party absolutely must be putting forward a detailed and costed plan. So there's arguments for it and against it. But you know, me, I, I, I believe that the arguments for it still outweigh the reasons not to do it. I thought that we, uh, we should be honest and straightforward about what our ideas mean in, in a practical sense, showing that it's, it's actually feasible, that we're not just saying, you know, wishing to the sky that we can balance the budget without uh, raising taxes. We have to show how we can do it, and that's uh, what our document today does. Mm-hmm. And by the way, do you have any insight as to whether the, the UCP intends on, on releasing such a document? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, they uh, will not be. You know, when I was a uh, uh, finance critic of the Wild Rose, we normally did a set of pre-budget recommendations every year. It was essentially the compromise uh, between doing a shadow budget and not, so I, we got as close to like as I could get away with it every year. To the best of my knowledge, they're not going to be putting forward uh, anything in advance of the budget. But I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they're not putting forward ideas during the budget debates. Okay, so let's talk about your document because it, it sounds like what the NDP is going to present tomorrow is a plan oh. to get us to balance by 2023. And I guess the devil will be in the details. But but you think we can get back to balance a lot sooner? Well, first of all, I don't believe that they will get back to balance in 2023. I'll have to see the numbers before I can could really state that with certainty but uh, you know they promised to balance the budget by fiscal year 20 uh 2019-20 and we're coming up to 2019-20 and we still have a record deficit so the proof will be in the pudding um but what we're talking about here is much more aggressive we have to remember deficits are not new and deficits in fact are not even just ndp we've been running deficits since ed stelmack was premier and every premier we've had since has promised that they're going to balance the budget a few years down the road, and they never actually got there because none of them took it seriously with real concrete action. So the plan that uh, I've put forward today, I'll try not to bore you with too many of the numbers, but in short, it uh, it gets operating spending under control to balance the operational budget by 2019-20. Uh, That's the year the NDP promised that they would. And it gets the total consolidated deficit, including borrowings for capital, uh, balanced by fiscal year uh, 2020-21. And uh, none of the parties are actually talking about that, the actual consolidated budget getting it under control. And we'll primarily do that. I won't go through every single item because it's a pretty extensive list, but I'll go through the bigger ones here. Uh, what we would do is implement a 5% reduction in every core government employee. That is from MLAs on down to bureaucrats working in the department, uh, departments mostly scattered around Edmonton. 5% reduction there to save $169 million. And I think it's important that we include MLAs in that because we have to lead by example from the top. You can't just single out one group of people working for the government, make them carry the burden, and other people are exempted. Uh, on top of that, we would have a 3% rollback in the non-core government services. That's 
that's outside of the direct bureaucracy, but still government-funded uh, institutions, saving uh, over half a billion dollars. A 5% rollback in uh, government uh, ministry budgets. We'd abolish the entire Department of Economic Development and Trade and move its legitimate functions over to uh, likely the Department of Finance and Treasury Board. Um, that's because that department is now primarily just involved in the corporate welfare business, doling out millions or even billions of dollars to businesses, uh, generally just so the government can have a photo op. We think we should just cut taxes instead, get uh, get our economy moving without the government picking who the winners and losers are. Uh, <laughs> you might not like this. We'd abolish the uh, Alberta Media Fund, $34 million. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love your show. There's a lot of great media in Alberta. But I, I think it's wrong for the government to be funding the media. It's a conflict of interest. And I don't think government should be funding businesses in general. Uh, so that, inc- that includes media. What so, about, we've got a, yeah. so we've got a long, long list of items here. I'm not sure you want me to go through every single one. I'm, I'm happy to do so. But it's a detailed yeah. plan that gets our thing under control to balance. Okay. And, and I mean, each of these on its own obviously wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't do the trick. But what, what are we talking about then? What does this all add up to, these savings you've identified? So in uh, this uh, fiscal year, we're, we're estimating, uh, now the budget comes out tomorrow, but based on uh, previous budgets and estimates from quarterly updates, we're estimating that um, spending would be $45.8 billion this year. Uh, we would, in the first year, rat, uh, bring that down to $44.6 billion. So just, uh, around, around, just over a billion dollars there on the first year. But after that... Uh, after we bring spending under control, we freeze from that point out for a number of years to allow for economic growth to spur uh, revenues to do the rest of the job. And that, you know, that's a major part of it. So we're actually only talking about uh, cutting a few billion dollars out of a nearly $46 billion budget, uh, getting that under control in the first year, and then freezing that for uh, two to three more years to allow for economic growth to do the rest of the job. And so what would that mean then, uh, do you figure, on the revenue side? Well, you know, the revenue side is a bit tricky here. We're talking about, uh, you know, the projections we're using are really the NDP's numbers. They've stopped providing uh, projections uh, forward during their quarterly updates. You know, every three months we're supposed to get a set of numbers from the government. They tell us where we're at, but they don't provide long-term forecasts from there. So we have to work with what the government presented in the last budget and adapt that with uh, the quarterly updates. So we're using, uh, and, and then we, we actually toned down from there. We're using a conservative revenue estimate from what the NDP have uh, put forward, but we'll be updating our numbers there. Um, going forward, I will be presenting a more detailed tax plan. Uh, I think broadly we should be waiting until we balance the budget before cutting taxes, unless those tax cuts are going to directly spur economic growth. So what we should be talking about is lowering our business tax rate, uh, obviously abolishing the carbon tax and all of the spending that comes with that. Um, but generally, I want you know I want to see a return to the 10% flat tax. But it's you know it's my view that that should be sort of the the carrot at the end of the trail of a balanced budget. Balancing the budget's tough. It uh, it's not painless, but there has to be something in it for everybody at the end. So we save the tax tax cuts for people. Uh, until the budget's balanced, except for tax cuts that are really going to get the economy moving and actually make balancing the budget easier. Right. But I mean, when you talk about 
economic growth helping to, to get us back to a, a balance. Where, what's that going to mean in terms of a, a differential in terms of what the NDP is laying out or what you envision here? Well, that's uh, it's, a, it's a difficult conversation. Generally, where economists will sit around and hum and haw and agree and disagree with each other. Um, there is a significant body of evidence to suggest that even though we've raised taxes in Alberta on people and on businesses, that uh, revenues are down beyond even just from the drop in oil prices. Employment is back up largely, but uh, personal income taxes are still down because people are not working in, in the same jobs that they were before. So there's a significant body of evidence that at some point you, have to, you find a sweet spot. Economists will call it the Laffer curve, where if you have taxes low enough, it spurs economic growth, you actually have more revenues. Now, there is a point at which you can go, you know, taxes are too low, that's not going to be the case, or too high, it retards economic growth. So finding that sweet spot is very difficult, and it's a moving target. But uh, right now we're not competitive on business taxes. We weren't. Um, we were competitive for a time, but now we're not. We're not just competing with other Canadian provinces. Now we're competing with Donald Trump's America, and they have just drastically cut their business tax rates. And this is an issue not just in Alberta now, but right across Canada, where we are just going to be priced out of competitiveness. And if we want to compete with this guy and with America, we are going to need to be uh, competitive. And traditionally, Canada has had lower business taxes than the United States because they have a lot of natural advantages that we don't have. So we have to be all the more competitive. Uh, this also proposes eliminating the carbon tax and all of the related spending programs. So is that kind of a wash, given that the, the money that's coming in is is basically going out the door? Uh, yes and no. So, you know, the um, so you know if you're going to get rid of the carbon tax, you have to get rid of the carbon tax spending that comes with it. And it's and it's pretty hefty. I think would be it'd be very irresponsible for anyone to promise to get rid of the carbon tax if you're not going to get rid of the spending that comes with the carbon tax. The problem is it's actually not even uh, a wash. That'll actually make it harder to balance the budget. I still think we need to do it. The problem is that the NDP have actually overspent on revenues coming from the carbon tax. So over the next uh, three years, they've actually budgeted to spend uh, $615 million more uh, on carbon tax-related spending than they actually anticipate to bring in in revenues. This means... Uh, we're going to have to eat that. We're going to have to. We're, we're going to have to deal with that as a part of a balanced budget problem. That that is the NDP's exclusive fault for doing it. But we still have to honor commitments that are made when the government signs contracts. They should be broken. And even though they've over, uh, they've committed more money uh, on spending from the carbon tax than they intend to bring in. It's still the right thing to do. So what I've done, what we've had to do, is compensate in other areas by uh, reducing spending even further. Well, very interesting. An important contribution. I think people can read it for themselves. Again, DerekFildebrand.ca. Appreciate you joining us here today. Thanks for this. Hey, thanks for putting up with my coffee here, too. I sound a bit like Batman right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. All good, Derek. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Derek Fildebrandt, uh, MLA for Strathmore Brooks, uh, putting forth his own alternative budget. Feels as though in the past was uh, constrained, unable to do so, but feels it's an important contribution. I think we should see more of this. I do find it odd. I mean, I kind of get it at some sort of strategic political level why the big opposition parties don't. But I, I think they should. And especially as we get closer to an election, I think it's really incumbent on everybody to put their cards on the table and say, look, here's what we would do. 974-8255 is our number. What do you make of this? We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.